0: You may be seated. And here by us to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, as we again, share that first Christmas as Luke recorded. A little side story, a little backstory about Luke. Uh, Luke was a physician. He was perhaps the only Gentile who again, wrote part of the Bible. Uh, he was also a first- class historian. And so when Luke is writing his gospel, he is gathering all the resources, all the data, all the eyewitnesses he possibly could to put together what we call the gospel of Luke. And so as he does, he spends time obviously talking to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so as he is now writing out this account of Jesus in chronological order, he in essence is telling Mary's story. We pick it up in Luke chapter 1 as Luke... Is writing his gospel, sharing it from Mary's perspective. It says this, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Remember those words. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. And in Luke chapter two, verse one, Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly afraid. And the angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid.'" For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And the God who inspired these words now speak to us as we look at Jesus, the reason for the season. Let's pray. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray your blessings upon us. I pray, oh God, you will speak grace and truth to us. By your word and by your spirit, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, over the years, many have asked the question, what makes this night so special for those who are believers in Jesus? What makes this night so special for those who follow him? And though there are many answers to that question, I will argue that some of the best answers, again, begin with the fact that we celebrate this night, we love this night, because this is a part of God's plan, that Jesus born in Bethlehem's manger was something that God had foretold, which now goes to our second reason why we love this night, that his word indeed was fulfilled this night. That 2,000 years ago, just as Micah foretold that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just like Daniel had foretold, he was born at the exact time frame. Just like Isaiah had foretold, he was born in the manner, a virgin birth and the list goes on and on, that this night was indeed the fulfillment of God's amazing word because God has an amazing plan for this world. Thirdly, that God really does get involved in our lives. We love this night because we see God getting involved, God interrupting, if you will, the lives of men and women and boys and girls. That God really does get involved in our lives. He really does invest in us. You see, if Jesus had never been born, there'd be very little evidence or very little proof that God really is involved at all in our lives. You see, there's something inside of me, like there's something inside of you that needs to know, that wants to know that God does care, that God is invested, that God is involved in my life. There's something inside of me, like there's something inside of you that just needs to know that God is paying attention to who we are, what we're doing, what's happening in our life. We want to feel that connection to our creator. And so this is why God sent his only begotten son. This is why God sent his Holy Spirit into our lives, because we want to know that God is invested and that God is involved. You see, we we want to know that God really is paying attention to my circumstances, that God does care. So here's the question. How do we know? What are the signs that we can look at that says God really does care, that God really is involved in our life? And I'll argue this. Number one, all you have to do is look at Bethlehem's manger. Again, all you have to do is look at the fact that, again, 2,000 years ago this night, the Messiah was born as the word of God foretold. Secondly, look at the old rugged cross. Look at the old rugged cross and know that, indeed, God is involved and God is invested in your life. Look at the empty tomb. And see God's investment in who you are. You see, Jesus really is the reason for the season. But again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, note this well. You are the reason for the season. How is that, Mark? How is it that I'm the reason for the season? How is that? Because God so loved you. The Bible teaches that Jesus came for us. And while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Put very simply, Jesus came for me and he came for you because we're messed up. As a matter of fact, if you were to follow me around for 24 hours, you'd go home and say to your spouse, Mark's messed up. I'm just saying, he's messed up. And if I followed you around for 24 hours, I'd go home and tell my wife, yeah, they're messed up. You see, we're all messed up. We're all one hot mess The Word of God puts it this way, that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none good, no, not one, the Bible says. We're all sinners who are justly condemned. And the Word of God says that we, he came into the world because we need him. We need him. We are the reason for the season. So when we analyze what is Christmas and why we celebrate Christmas, here's what we know. We need him, we need his grace and we need his forgiveness, and we need his life, and we need him as our, as our advocate. We need him. Number two, he came into the world to declare and demonstrate what God is like. You see, if Jesus had never been born, we would never truly know what God is like. We would guess, we'd speculate, we would claim to know, but we'd never really know what God was like if Jesus had never been born. So was the man Saul of Tarsus. He became the apostle Paul, but Saul of Tarsus spent most of his life thinking he knew all about God, thinking he was right with God, thinking he had had it all together with God until he met the resurrected Jesus who reminded him, no, Saul, you don't have it right. No, Saul, you are a sinner just like everyone else. No, Saul, you really do need me as your savior. And later Saul of Tarsus, the apostle Paul, would write the words that indeed he was the chief of all sinners. And he would later write, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We celebrate Christmas because God's plan really is in place. That life is not random circumstances. That there really is a divine plan unfolding in our lives, in our nation, in our world. And as followers of Jesus, we get to be a part of that. You see, Christmas reminds us that sometimes God really does interrupt our stories. 2,000 years ago, a young teenage girl named Mary was going about just doing what young teenage girls in Israel would do 2,000 years ago, and then all of a sudden an angel shows up. And she said, and he says to Mary, Mary, you are highly favored. You are highly favored, Mary. And God is with you. And that she would indeed give birth to the Son of God. And as she hears those words, and as days turn into weeks, she starts hearing the rumors about her. She starts hearing the criticism about her. People begin to look at her and whisper in whispering tones in the marketplace And then later, Caesar Augustus made her life more complex by declaring that she had to go to Bethlehem, 90 miles away, nine months pregnant, traveling 90 miles. And the only comfort she had was not her mom, it wasn't a doctor, the only comfort she had was a teenage boy. And I can only imagine that she is traveling to Bethlehem, nine months pregnant, on a donkey, that somehow she's going, so where is that angel now? Am I really favored? I mean, what's happening right now? And then she goes there. When she gets there, there is no room in the inn. And so she has to give birth in a stable. And later King Herod would send a search and destroy team to kill her infant son. And yet those words I'm sure were still ringing her ears you're highly favored Mary later on Joseph would have his life interrupted again he would hear the rumors he would hear people talk he would hear the criticism as he again had to hear the news from Mary that she was with child and he knew it wasn't his he hears the gossip. Later, the Magi, the kings of Persia, their lives would be interrupted as they calculated when the Messiah would be born after looking at Daniel's prophecy. And they make their way to Bethlehem. They make their way to Jerusalem. And there they're facing hostile conditions, possibly even death from King Herod. Yet in all of this, in all of this, in all of the loneliness, all the rejection, All the hostile circumstances, God's plan is being fulfilled just as he declared. For this child that Mary would give birth to would grow up and say the words that no one else would ever say. He would say to see him is to see God. To know him is to know God. To believe in him is to have everlasting life. He would do the works that no one else had ever done. He would raise the dead, give sight to the blind, calm the storms, cause the lame to walk. And then at the age of 33, this Jesus, this one born in Bethlehem's manger, would be falsely accused and falsely arrested and condemned to a cross. And Mary would watch her oldest son be executed on a cross because he proclaimed to be God the Son. The worst possible thing happening happening to the greatest person who ever lived. And as she sees her son being crucified and tortured and spit upon, once again those words, Mary, you are highly favored, is burning in her ears. But on the third day after his death, something happened that changed everything. This one that she placed in a manger, this one that she watched die on a cross, now has risen from the grave, now rose from the dead to bring life to all who would indeed believe in him. You see, for Mary, her story, her life was interrupted so that redemption could occur. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you see, she learned That hope is trusting, not in your circumstances, not in what you see, not in the things that happen, but hope is trusting in God's plan that you have been invited to be a part of. That hope is knowing that God really is at work in spite of the circumstances, in spite of what you may see today. He is working in your life. And Christmas reminds us of that reality. That God came into our world, like each of us, to be one of us, to save all of us who would believe in him. See, Christmas is the reminder that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him does not perish but has eternal life. You see, God interrupts our lives to bring us life. And for those of us who are dying, which is all of us, that is the greatest gift of all. May that be your story, for this is the reason for the season. His gift to you, eternal life, really is the reason for the season.